Hello and welcome back to our study of the Dhammapada. Today we'll continue with verses number 11 and 12, which read as follows. Asari saramatino, sari ja saradasino, te sarang nadikachanti, micha sankarpagochara, sarancha sarato nyatva, asarancha asarato, Te sarang adhikachanti samma sankapagochara. So, it's a twin pair of verses. The first one, asare saramatino, for a person who uh, understands what is essential to be unessential, or understands, sorry, what understands what is unessential to be essential. Saro sare ja saradasino and understands what is essential or sees what is essential as being unessential. Te sarang nadikachanti, such a person doesn't come to what is essential. Micha sankapagotara, because they dwell in wrong thought, in a wrong understanding. Sarancha sarato nyatova, a person who knows the essential to be essential. Asarancha asarato and what is unessential to be unessential. Te sarang adhikachanti samma sankapagotara. Such a person does come to what is essential because they dwell in right thought. Now this verse was, these two verses was, were told in relation to the Buddha's two chief disciples. And their story, in brief, is that they were living in Rajagaha in the time when the Buddha had just become enlightened. And they had left the home life because they had seen that there was no, no, uh, es there was no essence or nothing, it wasn't essential or there was no benefit to be found in, in the life that they were living. They would go to these shows and they would laugh and they would cry and they found that it brought them no real uh, true peace and, and happiness because it, it was bereft of any sort of uh, essence or any depth. And so they left home, home and they went to try to find a teacher. And they found a teacher, uh, the first teacher they found was named Sanjaya. Sanjaya was a teacher in the time of the Buddha and he taught his students how to avoid, uh, how to avoid views, how to avoid uh, any kind of teaching, actually. So when people would ask them questions, they would say, well, I don't believe that, but I, I don't believe otherwise. And so they would find this way to avoid answering the question and therefore uh, avoid taking any, committing to any stance. Well, of course, this has the benefit, uh, at least superficially, of keeping a person from developing wrong views, but it becomes a, a real conceit and attachment in itself. And, of course, the mind is, is uh, always running, running around in circles, trying to avoid any kind of, uh, of, of stance on the, the theory, and that you develop a theory. As a result, there's this theory that you know, any, any stance cannot, is untenable. Which, of course, would make sense when, you, when no one has an understanding of reality because all of the people's views in the time uh, were, were based simply on their um, partial or, or, um, or incorrect understanding of reality. But once you find the truth, then, then you know, they would avoid even that. And they would avoid committing even to the truth. And so the, these, at first they thought this was kind of a, a neat idea, and so they practiced it. And when they realized that it was really quite superficial and shallow and, and simple, actually, all you have to do is just avoid everything, avoid uh, answering these difficult questions. 
and there you have this teaching. So they left it behind as well, and they went to find another teacher. And then it so happened that one of them, Upatissa, their names were Upatissa and Kolita. Upatissa, one day he saw uh, one of the, the Buddha's disciples walking for alms. It was one of the first five disciples of the Buddha. And it had such a prof profound effect on him just seeing this monk walking on alms because obviously the, this was an enlightened being. And so the way he walked, the way he held his robe, the way he held his bowl, the way he looked, the way he, uh, he, he would talk, the way he would keep silent, everything about the way he acted, his whole deportment said that there was something special about him. It was just so natural and so clear and uh, so perfect. You know, it wasn't that there, he was had some heavy you know, kind of uh, focused or, or forced uh, way of behaving. It was that it was very natural and very fluid. And, and, and it spoke volumes about his inner character. So he took this as a sign and, and uh, decided that he would go up and, and talk to this monk. He waited for him to finish alms and finish eating, and then he asked him, he came up to him and asked him and said, Venerable Sir, please tell me who is your teacher and what is his teaching? And the monk, Asaji was his name, said, uh, My teacher is the great Buddha. Uh, the fully enlightened Buddha, and he said, and his, as for his teaching, he said, I've only recently gone forth. Uh, I'm a new, I'm new to this religion. Of course, the Buddha's teaching was new, so there were, they were. He was one of the seniors actually, but he was still. It was true, he was still relatively new. And he said, so he said, it'd be very difficult for me to teach it in depth. And of course, this was a reasonable thing to say, but it also had a profound effect on Upatissa because. Uh, it, it made him think, wow, if this is what a, a novice acts like, then, then I wonder what it would be like to be someone who fully understands the teaching. So he said, please give me whatever you know, because obviously you know something. So please give me the essence, whether it be a lot, what you survive for great words and, and long uh, speeches. Just give me the essence. So Asaji gave him the essence, and it's, it's so so core that it's, it's very difficult for us to understand, and even more difficult to understand how such a simple teaching could have the effect that it did have, have on Upatissa. You know, the verse goes, that the verse that he gave, that he said to have, have given to Upatissa was, Ye dhamma hetu babava, ye te sang hetung tathagata ahu, te sancha yo nirodho cha evang vadi mahasamano. Which means, Ye dhamma he those dhammas or those things which arise based on a cause. Te sanghetung tathagata ahu. Tathagato ahu. The cause of those dhammas, of those things, is, the, is what the, uh, the tathagata has taught. The tathagata has, has taught us the causes of those things. This is the first part. Now, when he finished this first part, which is half of the verse, he, Upatissa be, became a sotapanna. He, he realized the truth just from half of it. Most of us, we listen to this and it's incomprehensible. Okay, ye dhammahi, those dhammas that arise based on the cause. The Buddha taught the cause of those dhammas. It's, it seems so simple that it would be very difficult. It's, it's near impossible for us to imagine how it could lead someone to become enlightened. And, and I'd assume that most people listening probably didn't become enlightened just hearing that. The second part, 
and the cessation of those dhammas, uh, the great samana, the great sage or the great recluse, has, uh, this is his teaching. His teaching is the cessation of those, those dhammas. So actually, it, what, it, what it's, he's teaching here is the Four Noble Truths that he learned from the Buddha in the original teaching. And it's, it's, so, it's so simple. Uh, and maybe the idea is to humble Upatissa because Asaji may not know that he would be able to understand it. But uh, it's also so core that Upatissa was able to grasp what is essential. And he was able to see that actually this is the, 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 the essential is that suffering has a cause. That the problem in life or all of our questions yeah, can be answered based on cause and effect. That every problem that I have, and this is you know, based, on our based on his meditation, it wasn't based simply on thinking, but when he looked inside, he was able to see all of the suffering, all of the delusion, all of the passion, all of the hatred, and all of the conceits and problems that we have inside. They all have to do with cause and effect. And when you see cause and effect, uh, you see this leads to this, this leads to that, you're able to break it apart. When you look and you, at the things you're looking at, you see how they, they react with each other. Uh, you're, then, then you're able to change that. You're able to refine your behavior as a result. And more importantly is the second part where it talks about the cessation, that actually what the Buddha focused on was the cessation of these dhammas. That actually there is you know, the realization that there is nothing that is going to bring p true peace and happiness. There's no one reality. And so when you give them up, when you let go of them, that's true peace and true happiness. This is the meaning of it. Very difficult for us to understand. Uh, but for Upatissa, it was actually quite quite simple. He had been training for a long time. In fact, the story goes that he had gone throughout uh, India or throughout that part of India, and he would go up to teachers and ask them questions, and he would answer all of their questions, but they couldn't answer his questions. And so he, ne he was never able to find a teacher. So he was actually quite keen. He was able to debate with, uh, with anyone and to uh, best anyone in, in, in an argument. So... So he had a very keen mind, and that's why he was able to, he was right ready to, to accept this. And when he tried to find fault with it and tried to examine it uh, in terms of his own experience, he actually, it, it allowed him to open up and to become free. So immediately he said, stop, that's enough, thank you. Uh, please tell me where is our teacher. At this point he had, had no doubt. And Asaji said he's staying in Veluwana, which is the bamboo grove. So immediately Upatissa went immediately back to where his friend was staying and his friend Kolita saw him coming and knew right away just as, as Upatissa had known that this was an enlightened being, this was something was special. And so he said, something's different with my friend. He said, please tell me Upatissa, have you found the truth? And Upatissa said, yes, I found the truth. He said, then please share it with me. And he told him the same verse. And as a result of, of this teaching, Kolita as well was able to become a Sotapanna, which is the first stage of enlightenment. Uh, and so he said, let's go, we have to go and meet our teacher now. And, so, and Upatisa said, but first we should go and see our old teacher and give him the opportunity to hear this as well, out of respect for uh, his patronage. Uh, and they, they discussed it, and, but Upatisa said, you know, I really think that he'll be able to understand it and, and and uh, appreciate it. And if he does appreciate it, he'll be able to come with us and very quickly realize the truth as we have. 
So they went to see Sanjaya and, and it was not really as they expected. They said, they explained the case to him and Sanjaya said, oh yes, go ahead. They said, well, come with us. They said, well, come with us. You can come and, and learn as well. And Sanjaya said, my sons, how can you say such a thing? Look, here I am a great teacher. I have my own students and I am famous. You want me to go and be a, become a student again? Something very big and someone very big and important like myself to go like that. Uh, he said, it, such a thing is impossible. And, and Upatisa said, that's really not the point. You know, it, it really does, does it really matter? Do these things really have any meaning? Uh, what, what is essential is that we've now found the truth. And Sanjaya said, look, let me put it to you this way. He said, are there more, uh, are there more wise people or more foolish people in the world? And uh, Upatisa said, or Upadisa and Kulita or whoever said, oh, sh surely the foolish people are far more. The number of wise people in the world are, are very few. And Sanjaya said, well then, my sons, you go and be with the wise uh, Gotama, which was the, the family name of the Buddha, and all of the foolish people will come to me, and I'll be very famous and, and have a great following. This is what he said. And Upatissa and Kalita, they, you know, it was like the last straw. It really, you know, broke their, their faith in, in their teacher entirely. And they said, you know, well, in that case, well, let bye-bye. It's time to part ways. He said, how can you? Well, this is crazy. If, if that's all that's important to you, uh, that you should be surrounded by fools instead of be with a few wise, the few wise people, then let's go. So they left. And what happened when they left, interestingly enough, is that Sanjaya lost all of his followers that he thought as a result of his teaching something foolish, he would gain a lot of followers. Well, what happened is actually most of them left with Sariputta, with, with Upatissa and Kodita. And as a result, he got very angry and upset and got very sick and, and is said to have vomited blood uh, as a result. That's what the story says. So Upatissa and Kodita went to see the Buddha. And when they went to see the Buddha, they... Um, they got in, they got ordained by the Buddha, and then eventually they became enlightened. It took them longer than actually most other of the Buddha's disciples. For Kolita, it took him seven days. For Upatissa, it took him fifteen days. Which, you know, considering their their perfection of mind, is is uh, is quite a long time. But the the commentary says this is because of the profoundity of their wish in the past. That in past lives they had made wishes to become the Buddha's chief disciples, and so as a result, they had to do all the their mind was set on that and they had to therefore go through a very profound understanding of reality before they could come to their final liberation. Especially Upatissa took him longer. Now their names changed. Upatissa became Sariputta. His mother was Sari, so they called him Sariputta. Mogalana, I believe, the village or the family was called Mogalana, so they called him Mogalana. I believe the family. So they became Sariputta and Mogalana. And they're very famous in, in Buddhist uh, circles, very well known. Now, after they became enlightened, they, they happened to be discussing, or, or they went to ask the Buddha to talk to him, and they said, you know, look, Venerable Sir, we were, um, when, we came, when we wanted to come see you, we told, we told our teacher, and this is what he said, you know, he said that uh, he would stay with the fools, and, and that uh, therefore be very famous, and you could go with, with Buddha Gautama, and uh, be surrounded by just a few of the wise people and therefore be relatively insignificant. And this is when the Buddha gave this verse. He said, Asari Saramati. He said, a person who, who, this is what happens for a person who, who uh, 
who dwells on what is unessential, they'll never come to the truth. And for a per but for a person who does see what is essential as essential, and what is unessential as unessential, such a person does come to the truth. It has to do with right understanding. And obviously Sanjaya had a very wrong understanding. Now what this verse teaches us, it teaches us many things on many levels. Um, the first thing that it, it teaches us is about our lives and how we often dwell on things that are unessential. The example of Kolita and Upatissa is a good one, that they were living a life of luxury and, and opulence and, and great uh, sensual pleasure. So they would go to these shows and it's said that at this show they would have so much fun and, and be entertained until one day they just realized how pointless it was. And most of us have very diff a very difficult time coming to this realization. We might have great suffering and depression and sadness at times in our lives, but we're not able to make the connection. And we still are living in, under the misguided belief that somehow this sensual enjoyment is going to bring us someday or somehow is going to bring us true peace and happiness. Or we believe that something's just wrong with us. The fact that we can't find happiness in this way is, is, means there's something wrong. And so often we'll take medication for our depression or so on, thinking that somehow as a result we're going to be happy and enjoy all of these things that aren't really bringing us true peace and happiness. Sariputta and Moggallana were able to see through that. And they were able to see that, you know, it, and it's, it's a difficult thing to see because there's so much pressure on, from society. Society says, this is good, this is right, this is the, the sort of thing that we're supposed to enjoy. So this is something that we should take to heart and to um, use to help to change our view and our understanding that actually it's true that we're not going to find true peace and happiness through these things. And if we expect to, we're only going to be disappointed again and again and eventually meet with the ultimate disappointment when we have to leave it all behind and realize that we've wasted our whole lives on things which are unessential and useless. As a result, we'll never come to the truth. We'll die without coming to the truth. And this is how people live their lives. We waste our time. So it's important that we should remember the Buddha's teaching not to let the moment pass us by. Don't waste your time in this life that we have. The second, the second thing it has to teach us is in regards to the unessential in, in the religious path. Now, Sanjaya was someone who you could expect had, had gained some of this realization and therefore had left the home life. He may have done it for the wrong reasons, but it's possible that he left the home life under good intentions trying to find the truth. The problem is that in the end he, he, he hit upon that which was totally unessential. And he got caught up in what we say are the, the loka dhammas. He got caught up in fame and praise and uh, wealth and, and, and pleasure. You know, all of these things that he got from being a great teacher. And as a result, he, he saw that these were essential. He thought it was essential to have lots of students and to be famous and that this was the most important, even to the point where he thought it was better to be surrounded by foolish people than to be surrounded by, um, by wise people, which he figured would be a lot fewer. Uh, and so you find this often, or you do find this in, in religious circles and in, in terms of um, religious teachers, that often people get caught up in teaching and put aside their own practice, or that people get caught up in, in, you know, you see many, many people who put on this robe and then get caught up in, as I've said before, get caught up in fame, get caught up in, in wealth, and, you know, we talked about this in the verses about Devadatta, that it's very easy to get caught up in these things. And you see monks, even with the best intentions, will eventually get caught up in luxury and so on, and you know, then they need this and that, and, and 
a nice bed and uh, uh, nice good food and they'll often start to obsess over these things and they won't they won't be able to see that these are unessential people who worry become a monk and then worry about their health who worry about their food who worry about their their, their bedding and so on uh, you know I've been been through all that but I think if you practice meditation you are able you, you should be able to overcome it and there were times where I said to myself you know I don't have I don't even have uh, I didn't even have soap or I didn't have laundry powder and these things you know, it just came it just was such a, a, a shock to me or it was so um, such a stress that I didn't have these things what was I going to do and then I said well well then I realized well then I just won't wash and I won't wash my clothes that's the, the answer and so I was able to let go of it and realize that that's really unessential. All of these things are unessential. When some days we will go hungry, and then you think, oh no, what a terrible thing, what am I going to do? And the answer is, well, you're going to be hungry, and that's it. It really doesn't mean anything. Maybe you'll get sick. Maybe you'll die. It doesn't really mean anything. And when you put your emphasis on these things, oh, may I be healthy, oh, may I be, have a full stomach, oh, may I be uh, alive, even... When, you, when this is your, your essence, you've missed the point. What is the essence? According to the Buddha, there are five things. And, and in, even in, the third thing this teaches us is that even in regards to what is essential, we have to prioritize or we have to be complete. So the Buddha would always give talks on what is the essence, what is the core. And there are five candidates. There's morality, concentration, wisdom, uh, release or freedom, and the awareness or the knowledge of freedom and we need all five of these some people take up some people are able to put aside the worldly dominant worldly uh, 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 pursuits and pursue after at least morality and so as a result they're able to keep morality they don't touch money they don't uh, eat at the wrong they only eat once a day and they wear robes and so on they even maybe wear rag robes they're able to do all these 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 uh, practices of morality but they become conceited as a result and they see that as the essence and the Buddha said no this is not the essence this isn't the core it's part of the essence but it's only the first part if you don't go any further you, you still haven't found the essence so next some people develop concentration and so they're able to focus their minds and fix their minds on one object their minds become very quiet and very focused they can even gain magical powers Devadatta himself had a very focused mind and even gained magical powers at some point he was able to apparently I think fly through the air he was able to change his appearance so people he looked different to people and so on uh, but so obviously this is not the essence and it leads people like Devadatta to become conceited and therefore or it doesn't lead them people can still become conceited based on these things and if they have conceit inside and haven't gone further and they'll become conceited and they'll use them for the wrong purposes. The next one is wisdom. Now even people who gain some wisdom in insight can become conceited if they don't get to, the, to, to liberation or freedom. Their mind will, they will still become conceited and they'll believe that they're enlightened just from the insights that they've gained. People who practice even insight meditation, if they haven't realized the, 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 the perfect truth, if their minds haven't become freed and liberated, they haven't realized Nibbana as we say, then they will still fall into conceit and there's still you know, wrong understanding and, and the wrong belief that they're enlightened. Uh, as a result, they will you know, give up the practicing and think that they've, you know, they've done good enough and will, 
who feel content with what they've gained. Uh, so this is also not the essence. But finally is the fourth and the fifth one, and really they come together, but they, but they are separate things. The fourth one is release. So when a person does become released and free and, and enters into Nibbana, where the mind is no longer uh, coming out, it's no longer seeing or hearing or smelling or tasting or feeling or thinking, the mind uh, goes inside really, and, and for that time doesn't come out that there is no experience of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking. And that's true release and freedom. So the mind has just found its center, really, and it's not, it's not wavering anymore. At that point, the mind is free, and this is called freedom. This is really the essence, and really there's nothing more that needs to be done. But the next, the, the fifth one is just this, the aspect of coming out again and realizing that, what it is that you've experienced, and to actually start thinking about it. And the realization that you've become free, this Buddha said, this is the greatest uh, benefit, the greatest essence. You know, once you become free, the, the life that you live and, and the existence as someone who is free, as someone who has, has seen the truth, and as a result doesn't have the clinging, uh, clinging in, in regards to that which is unessential, or in, in regards to anything that has arisen all of the arisen dhammas, because you've seen the cessation, ye dhamma hita pabhava, you've seen all of these arisen things, te sancha yoni you've seen their cessation. So this is the essence, and the person should be inclined towards these things. This is really what we're aiming for in Buddhism, and this is kind of a, a teaching for us to see what is, uh, to see what in our lives maybe we are clinging on to that is unessential, and to remind us of what is truly essential and how we should give up what is unessential because it winds up, it, it leads us to waste our times and to lose the opportunity that we have in this life to put into practice those teachings that lead us to the realization of the truth and true peace, happiness, and freedom from suffering. So that's our verses for today. Thank you for tuning in and wish you all the best.